I'm Bridget Metcalf. Join me each week as I chat with leaders from around the world, shining a light of global issues that affect us all, so the truth may be known. Don't miss out on the conversation. Go to your favorite podcast streaming service now to subscribe to Truth Be Known. For upcoming podcasts, go to truthbeknown.org and enjoy the conversation. Hello, friends. This is Bridget Metcalf, and thank you for joining us today on the Truth Be Known podcast. Let me introduce you to my good friend, Dr. Beth Grant, co-founder of Project Rescue, who helps women and children that have been impacted by sexual slavery. Project Rescue is in 19 countries throughout Europe and in Central and Southern Asia. This is an anti-sex trafficking organization and is bringing hope and freedom to the victimized and marginalized. In the moment, just like that, Bridget, we knew as soon as he asked the question, can we take 37 little girls and get them out of this hell? We knew the answer. Of course we can, of course. Absolutely. Now, we didn't have a clue how. That would come later. But in that moment, it's one thing to not see the need. It's one thing when you do not know. But once we know, how can we not say yes? Last year, Project Rescue ministered to over 50,000 women and children in 10 countries with aftercare homes, vocational training, after-school programs, night care shelters, HIV AIDS medical clinics, small groups teaching in awareness and prevention programs, they are seeing transformation as women and children are being rescued and restored. 25 years ago, Project Rescue began and now they have just started and launched their certification program to equip you as well in these great areas of need around the world. Enjoy the conversation as we dive into this week's episode of Truth Be Known. kids do you have four we have four Four. and they all came about the same time so we have two seven-year-olds and two five-year-olds and they're all like little buddies so if whenever they're together the excitement level goes through the roof lots of energy in the grant family so uh, we're we're blessed it keeps you young yes so how has it been going with the COVID affecting you guys, especially because you guys are both so used to speaking so often, has that changed that dynamic or how is that? That's been huge. What we did in March a year ago, as soon as this all really started, we had to be quarantined right out the gate because we were with Greg Mundus, our executive director and leader. And um, we had been with him the week he was hospitalized. So we immediately went into that couple weeks with lots of prayer and having no idea where that was going. But during that time, I felt like so strongly God spoke to me and said, Beth, because I found myself saying on the phone to people as I would get ready to get off the phone with people close by and far away and our colleagues. And I found myself saying something I've never said in my life. I was closing with stay safe, stay safe. That was my heart, and that was my prayer, obviously. But after a day or two of that, I felt so convicted by God. And he reminded me, Beth, from the time I called you, I never called you to the priority of safety. Mm. I called you to stay ready, Mm. ready to hear my voice, ready to discern what I'm doing, ready to sense what I'm doing and move with what I am doing. That hasn't changed. From that moment, I realized for us, this storm, which has not abated, we've had surges come and go, but we are still in the storm in many ways. And that became a mandate for us personally, David and I, even though much of this time we could not travel. But at the same time, we realized, and God made very clear, stay ready for what I am going to do in this storm. Don't miss what I am doing and going to do. And Bridget, it's been amazing. Within weeks, red light districts in Southern Asia and Europe, where Project Rescue works, they were literally closed down because of the fear of COVID. And so police were closing down red light districts. 
and doors were open for women and their children to walk out. And so suddenly we had the biggest opportunity to help rescue the largest number of prostituted women and children we've had in 24 years. And that was in the middle of the storm. So right out the gate, that was in April of last year, we started this effort and we just let friends and partners know, here's what's happening. The women are free to leave, but what is freedom without food? What is freedom without any income and no place to go? Mm-hmm. So suddenly we were trying to do everything we could to send to our partners in Europe and Southern Asia the resources so they could quickly make place and provision for not one by one by one, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women and children that had been in slavery. And we knew we had a window and the team stepped up in the middle of great personal risk. They stepped up. So we have seen the greatest year during COVID and we couldn't go there. We couldn't travel there. It's shown us that we can collaborate with colleagues around the world. We actually did more collaboration because we were on Zoom calls at least every other week saying, okay, what's happening? How can we work together? How can we pray? And really, as God would speak to us, we shared that stay ready, that mandate that was from the Lord. And they they said, that's God. That's God for us. And of course, then things started unfolding. So now we are starting to travel some. We've been able to do that this last month. So that is starting again. But we're realizing we don't have to wait to travel to as men and women of God called to the same mission. That does not have to be put on the back burner because we cannot travel. God is able and we can collaborate in this moment and seize this, what I believe is a prophetic moment. Well, it just shows how unlimited God is. And I like that word you're saying, be ready, because now ministry looks a little different. What you were used to, what you were desiring to see is happening in from our very eyes. So now what do we do? You know, what, what does it look like? You have to be ready to kind of shift with the season, right? So how yes. did your teams do that? Like how, how were they able to move so quickly? Did they have to get more help or how did they generate that? They had certain staff if they had aftercare homes and shelters, then God bless us, those people working as staff. Whenever the lockdown happened in certain areas, they were there and they were just there 24 seven for months. So that was a great hardship because they had families. Most of them had families. So they were right there with especially children during this whole time until things eased up. But during the response to those who suddenly had nowhere to go, they took their staff, everyone that was not in an aftercare home, and suddenly they became part of this outreach and stepping up to help women get food. The first, I mean, it was the most massive food distribution initiative we've ever had because literally they were starving. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like we say, freedom is nothing without food. And so we had to start at the most basic level. And then several sites started new vocational training initiatives. And in one case, a very creative, courageous leader who's also a pastor and really a ministerial leader for his whole state, because even the people, the men, some of them that work in very what we would call unjust systems in the red light areas. Some of them found their same in the self in the same place because they had no income, they had nothing. So this leader said, okay, I'm going to put you to work, give you work. And he literally hired some of those guys who were used to working in the red light district and gave them work, but then had access to influence them for the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're talking, talk about outside the box. When he told us what had happened, here are these women that have been so victimized and they're brought in and they're getting help. But out there are the guys working to build new buildings and set up quick 
ways of doing vocational training. And those guys are out there working. He's got, he put them to work and it brought them into that community of faith to be exposed. And he got the job done. That is incredible. What, what a visionary and, and the grace of God to be able to allow those doors to open where he could just utilize that and, and think quickly, think quickly on his yes. feet as far as the concern. Now, did you guys have around the world other organizations that are helping with food to get food out to them or were they each location having to figure this out on their own? Each, each location had to come up with their own partners locally and see how to best get this done. But the fact that generous people in churches stepped up in the middle of their own storm, mm -hmm. which I, I mean, moved us to tears. When we put out the call of what was happening, no pressure, but it's like we felt we had to get the word out. Here's what's happening. We have maybe weeks at the most months to really seize this moment on behalf of those who are in slavery. We had the biggest response from people in churches to help with that initiative in the middle of their own uncertainties and lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And it's the biggest response we've had in our history of 24 years with Project Rescue. And it was in the middle of this storm. It's right in the middle of crisis, I believe, that people really look up to God, you really can see who you really are because everything else is shaken away. So that just is such a testimony to see the church is rising up, the people of God are rising up. I love that. Yeah. With that, Beth, how have you, you said you heard the word of the Lord to really be ready? What else is God speaking to you during this time? I mean, it, and a lot of people think because things are shutting down that people are shutting down. But actually, if you're walking in readiness, you're gearing up for something. So what do you feel like God is saying to you at this moment? Well, a year later, what we all hoped that months ago, we could return to something we thought and considered normal. We now know that this word to stay ready has not changed because we cannot anticipate any more now what our world will look like in six months than we could a year ago. So if anything, this sense that we have had for decades and decades in our world that, okay, if we can plan, we can do long-term planning because here are trends. And if you were aware of certain trends, economically, you know, socially, culturally, all kinds of ways that we could plan this. We are at a point a year later where we have to stay just as desperately dependent on the guidance moment by moment of the Holy Spirit as we did a year ago. Now, many of our colleagues in Southern Asia are in absolute apocalyptic humanitarian crises because COVID things have gotten so bad. So it's not for them. It's not better. It's not easier. They're experiencing things they've never experienced before and would have never dreamed they would have experienced. And the same with many of our colleagues in Europe. So we find ourselves, it's still, I think, as we are in God's presence, he reminds us, I am with you. I am still with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Whatever is changing, it's fluid, it's moving, but he is at work. He is every bit as work. We see what we look for. If I look for human brokenness and crisis and chaos, surely we can see it all around us. But if our hope is in the Lord and we're sensitive to discern what he is doing in the middle of it, there's a whole other reality happening in the middle of all this that people who are secular do not understand or see. But people of the spirit, if we every day, it's like, Lord, help me to be sensitive to what you are doing today and let me be ready and flexible, and just super aware, walking with you, moving with you, aligning myself today with your purposes today. So if anything, also another word, somebody asked me a few weeks ago, is there a word or words that you would sense now? 
along with the stay ready. And part of it is it's discontinuity. In other words, sometimes there's change, but it's on a trend line. And it becomes, even though it's change, it becomes a predictable change. What we are experiencing now is discontinuous change. It's discontinuity. The brightest minds in our world, economically, politically, socially, um, environmentally, you go on. They cannot predict the future as they thought they could. Mm-hmm. But we know the one who already knows the future. And I am so thankful, Bridget. I am so thankful that we know him. And if we know his presence, we will know his voice. Mm-hmm. That's part of the other word I feel like never before we have to practice the presence of the Lord, practice God's presence. Because if I know his presence well, if I walk in his presence through my days, then I will most likely know his voice well. Mm-hmm. And that is easily, it's a time of great deception. I've never seen so much, many people, good people, even in the church deceived in my lifetime. If we know his practices presence every day, we will be able to discern what is not of him. And we will know his voice and we will discern that which is not his voice. And right now, if there's ever time we needed to know his voice well and be ready, it's the now. Absolutely. And we're able to do that. We, we have the ability to do that and just go into his presence. Beth, I, I wanted to ask you something. You know, we're, we're looking forward right now. We're, we're getting into the presence of God. We're being ready for what comes. But I want to ask you, how did this begin with you? To me, you are a trailblazer and a pioneer. But I really would like you to share what was it that got you started on this journey to be able to go into Project Rescue? How was Project Rescue birthed for you? Can you share that with us and share with our audience today what it took for you to go to this place? Well, Bridget, it sometimes it could seem like we stumble into the will of God. 25 years ago, my husband and I had been already working in Southern Asia for 25 years, but doing a church planting I was working with theological education. I was especially focused on women in different cultures who knew God had called them, but faced very diverse challenges and opportunities depending on the culture. And sometimes in the city or part of a country, wherever they were in the world, but really feeling a burning passion to identify and affirm God's call on women and and be an encourager and help empower them. So that was part of my connection also with theological education. But then 25 years ago, one of our colleagues in uh, Mumbai, India, who was doing Teen Challenge and working with those who struggle with substance abuse, he felt God called him into and his outreach team to go into an area that was very close to where they were used to working with young men on the streets and help bring them out of addiction. But a night, they felt led of God to go into a red light district that at that time had over 100,000 women and children in one area of prostitution. It's an infamous place. He went into that area and it opened for not only he and his team, but it opened our eyes as well, because suddenly he discovered a majority of women who their children were being born in these small, small rooms, a maze of rooms and building after building where they're in sexual slavery. There was no choice. They were sold as young girls into prostitution. And that became, there was no way out. That became their lives and the trauma, the violence, the horror that's a part of that. Suddenly, our colleague became aware of. And that night as he walked through this place that is like literal hell, the destruction of women and children because of lust, because of greed, it's evil. It is tangible evil. As he walked through there, his heart was broken. He'd look up at multi-story at the windows and see women, especially the younger children behind bars, just kept there to be used and sold for sex. He had the courage, the audacity to stand in a place so dark that most of us in the church would never, never, never go near. And he stood there with his 
team, they began to sing and worship and then tell the simple story of a man named Jesus who came and loved so much that he was willing to give his life and die so we could have freedom. And that moment, over a hundred women got word out at the brothels down to him and said, sir, we want to follow your Jesus, but we're not free to leave this place. We are slaves. We, we were sold here and we cannot leave, but please, please, please take our daughters to a place of safety because they're with us under our cots as we serve as customers. And if we don't get them out of here, if someone can help them have another place, that, that this is their future. That night he called us and he was weeping. We weren't in the same city at the time and he was weeping and he shared what had happened. And he said to my husband, he said, Brother David, can we take 37 little girls? And in that moment with no plan, no strategy, no name, nothing. In the moment, just like that, Bridget, we knew as soon as he asked the question, can we take 37 little girls and get them out of this hell? We knew the answer. Of course we can. Of course. Absolutely. Now, we didn't have a clue how. That would come later. But in that moment, it's one thing to not see the need. It's one thing when you do not know. But once we know, how can we not say yes? And so we said a yes that would change. Literally, we had no idea. It changed the focus of the next 25 years up to this day. Because that yes led to one yes after the other. We found quick apartments, divide the girls up into groups and have a volunteer house mother from a local church who had a heart to, and knew how to pray and knew how to intercede and disciple little girls who had no idea, had never seen anything never heard of Jesus, had no idea what hope looked like. Every woman in their lives, their mothers, sometimes their grandmothers, every woman in their life was a woman who had to sell her body for sex. That's all she knew. And suddenly you're bringing them into a safe place in a home. You have medical issues. All of a sudden you realize this slavery is not just physical. It's more than physical. And it was emotional and it was mental and it was spiritual. Because even though you then got these little girls out, you start realizing you've got a sweet little girl. And all of a sudden, when you go to pray and you start to pray in the name of Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. And you've got a little girl that has power that is very dark and she needs deliverance. And there's only one who can break those chains of darkness and it's Jesus. But this is the hard work. This is not just about loving on little girls. This right. is the most dark spiritual battle one could ever engage with. And so Bridget, we knew nothing about that. We, we had no idea. So then it was a quick learning curve for all of us, for, for our colleague Devaraj, his staff, for us. And then he started having to hire staff specifically to start helping minister to these who had been victims and been a part of that world. And so it totally changed the trajectory. And we be, we just had to become learners and started learning what it meant that, yes, we knew, we knew God is a compassionate God and we knew he's a God of justice, but it began, it was no longer theological or conceptual. This became very, very personal and victims of injustice that Jesus died for now had names. But in such darkness, very quickly, then we saw the power, the raw power of God's grace mm. and the love and healing power of Jesus. So what a journey. Wow. I mean, the call and the passion and the, the drive that you and David have had going forward. I'm just wondering what is and I'm sure this is not going to be an easy question to answer, but what is one or two scenarios or, or families or person that you've encountered that has made the greatest impact on you over these last 25 years of what you've witnessed and what you've seen? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen a lot, but what would that be? One of them immediately that would come to mind was a woman, I will call a woman in a purple sari. A number of years ago, uh, our colleague, when the women started graduating, from the program and then to start transitioning out of homes into community. Um, my husband and I, whenever possible, would be there 
and especially our colleague would ask me to help present to the women after such such an amazing, difficult, challenging, courageous battle to share and be there to present their certificate of graduation from the program. And so it was one of those moments and I was standing on a platform and he would call their names and a woman would come across. And in that community of ministry, there'd be a couple hundred present people in the program, children, mothers, women that are on the journey, and some of the graduates and staff. And so when a woman's name would be called, there'd be cheering and the children be cheering. It's just such talk about a joyful celebration. And he called a name and another woman walked across to stand in front of me for me to hand her certificate to her. And as she got close, she had this beautiful purple sari on that I knew each woman had been presented with a new sari for this moment. She stood there and as she got close, I looked into a face that still had scars from the violence that she had endured in the red light district. But over those scars was this beautiful, shining joy and grace and almost tangible, the sense of the presence of a loving God that she radiated with the tears were rolling down her face just quietly while she just had such this glowing sense of joy the tears were running down her face. I handed it to her, congratulated her, and was so moved. And I prayed with her very briefly. After the program, as we were leaving, the leader said to me, Beth, the woman in the purple, sorry. He said, you don't recognize her, do you? And I said, no, I don't. He said, do you remember one night I called you? And he said, I told you that one of the madams in the red light district had called me and said, one of my women has lost it. She's lost her mind. She's out running through the red light district. She's naked. I, she just, she's gone and she's running. We can't catch her. She's useless to me. Do you want her? And that question, that question haunts us. Do we want her? A woman is so brutalized and traumatized that she literally has disintegrated and she's running like a wounded animal. And of course that night, Devarash's response as always is, of course we of course, we'll be right there. He took team members and they went up and down the streets of that huge district looking for this wounded woman. They found her, they took her, they had blankets, they wrapped her up in blankets with care and dignity, brought her back to the home of hope. Two years later, he said, this is that woman. She just graduated from the program and discipleship. Bridget, only God, only God can do that genuine. Now that's freedom. That's freedom. I mean, many good organizations and many of us can do our best to help victims of sexual exploitation have a new life and a new beginning. But there are some aspects of healing of trauma that absolutely takes a miracle for a traumatized, devastated woman who's so fragmented to actually come to the place where she can study again. She can be disciples. She can go through a program. And here she stands in peace and joy. The woman in the purple sari represents to me all Jesus has come to do for those who have been exploited. Mm, that is unbelievable to hear transformation that we know only the Holy Spirit can do in people's lives. But yet God, he uses people. He uses us as his vessels and, and the jars of clay to be able to help those also that are in need. And it's the Holy Spirit doing his work and then him moving on his people to come in, like you said, and clothe her and wrap it around her and give her that dignity and walking in the spirit. So what a beautiful story of how we yes. can partner with God in this yes, journey. Yes. And now Bridget, if, if people like your question about a story now for the last 10 years, we are working with pioneers and courageous abolitionists, I would say in Europe and in Southern Europe, much of our work is with African girls, girls who have been sold and trafficked out of nations in Africa and very tragically, not infrequently trafficked right out of churches. So that and with this, we've all seen the images over the last five to seven years, the mass of humanity coming across the Mediterranean in boats, and many of them not even making the journey. But on 
every one of those are girls or women that are being trafficked into Southern Europe for sex. And so suddenly workers, some of the work in Southern Spain of Project Rescue has really been driven. And the first steps were with seeing African girls on the streets of the major cities in Europe and realizing, how did they get here? What is the story? There is a story. And I would challenge us as people, as women of God, as men of God, whenever we see a woman in prostitution or a girl on the street or the mall that looks highly sexualized at a young age, we need to be asking ourselves, what's the story. And before we judge, we need to say, God, there is a story there. And often, often, often there has been, that girl has been sold from a young age or exploited sexually from a young age. And so she has been like pimps will say, for example, in the case of incest, the father prepared her she was already prepared for me mm, to take groomed. advantage of. Mm -hmm. And she's already been groomed by sexual abuse at home as a child. So there, is, there are stories. So as we begin to see these African girls, um, our colleague Fiona in Madrid, Spain, she's a pastor's wife. She had five children. She still does actually. Now she's a grandmother. But here God spoke to her clearly about a specific woman on the street and said, I want you to befriend her. So she had way too much to do already. Her life was full. Her ministry was full. But I love her courage and her obedience to the voice of the spirit. She started reaching out to that specific young woman, was able eventually to help rescue her. And today that young woman is married and has a child. I think she has two at this point. And she was already, she received training to help with as a licensed nurse with elder care. She's part of a local church involved with a worship team. This is a young woman trafficked out of Africa, walking the streets in Madrid. This is what God is doing if his people are ready and willing and courageous to do what he's asking us to do. Right. And, and be led by the spirit and the sense and the awareness of what's around it. Fiona wouldn't have been alert she could have missed an incredible opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the whole, the whole ministry developed there. Now it's in over seven cities. And so you have these homes, you have women now, some of the staff are girls who were rescued five, six years ago, and now there's staff in several homes. And so this is just, we watch God at work, but there were pivotal moments well, I remember soon into it, um, Fiona had been trying to get in to see a person of influence with the government that she had to see in order to be able to connect with these women that were in a detention center. In order to connect with them, she needed permission from the central government. She had been not successful. She couldn't get through the first door. And one morning she, she was still, she was still not dressed for the day. And God spoke to her and said, I want you to be at such and such an office at 10 o'clock and ask for a specific person by name. And she called me and said, Beth, I'm just throwing my clothes on, please pray. Cause I'm, I don't have any time to prepare, but I believe this is God. She threw on clothes, runs out the door and ends up at that place, as God said, asked for the name of the person and got into this chief minister person that she needed to see that had the power to open the doors and give access. Mm. Being led of the spirit, it's New Testament. Mm -hmm. We're back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And my question is that I've had to ask myself over the last few years because God's been challenging me. Is there room in my heavily scheduled days for God to speak and do the unexpected? I felt he's challenged me the last few years to make space because he wants to do the miraculous. Mm -hmm. But is there even room in our schedule and lives, margins for miracles? Mm, that's a power that really speaks to me. I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. I know, and I hope that our audience is really grasping on to everything that you're saying, because I feel like little, little nuggets are just raining down that we need to grasp these things and live in. It's one thing to hear the voice of God. It's another thing to be ready. But then that third step is you actually have to activate it. And I love how 
you guys have activated with your certification and your programs, giving the people the tools and the equipment that they need. You know, you're giving them the tools, you're giving them the access to best practices, how to do this and scriptural basis. But what you're really saying is be led by the spirit, be ready to go and do what the heart of God tells you to do, right? There is an element of the divine. This is not our mission. It's God's mission. Mm -hmm. So how can I do his mission if I'm not listening to him? And we need best practice. We need skills. We need trauma counselors who are seasoned and wise, but have the skills we need. There are so many areas of skill that we need professionally to help victims of sexual slavery genuinely have freedom and a different future. That at the same time, victims are also spiritual. There is this they were created by God. We believe that every man, woman, boy, or girl in the world today was given life by God. He's the giver of life and he has good purposes for them, but we can use our best practice and skills, but there is a part of them that has to connect with God. And I can't give that to them. I can lead them there. I can let them know how loving God is. And they have a father who celebrated the day they were born. Even if they're female, he celebrated because he created them and he has good purposes for them. And he has the power to help fulfill those purposes. But we have to be partnering with God. I can get so wrapped up in my professional skills that I forget transformation only happens fully through the power, the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of God's truth. Scripture said the truth will set you free. And sexual exploitation begins with lies. It's perpetuated by lies and ends with lies and often death. We have to know God's truth, spoken truth, because it's the truth that cuts through the lies. How do they know the lies and recognize them if they don't get to know God's truth? So this is the critical part mm -hmm. that we have to be the work of the spirit, my professional skills integrated with God's truth. What is God's truth that we can speak over them? that will challenge and push back and cancel the lies of the enemy that he has been speaking over them. Mm. So how do you, with your leaders that you have, how are you pressing this in to their leadership and their skill? I mean, I'm obviously you probably share with them on a regular basis, but how are you motivating them to stay fresh and to stay in the word and to stay ready and what are some of the results that you're seeing them walk in? God's timing is amazing. This training program that's more formalized, which has become Rescue and Restore Certificate Program, had been on our hearts for five years. How amazing that the timing worked out that we could start in the middle of last year when COVID was crazy. It's like we prayed when we saw what was happening with COVID because we wanted to do all that in person. And we thought, okay, we were asked, do we postpone that because of COVID? And I went to prayer and I thought, no, no, because the, the opportunities God has given us are now. So if ever we needed a fresh infusion of excellent training, it's now. Because we need to strengthen the hands of our whole leadership team that's now in Southern Asia, it's in Europe, and now beginning with Africa and some new partners in Asia Pacific. So how can we strengthen their hands? How can we put more tools in their hands? Because they're now suddenly, they felt like everything was changing. Well, what a great time to sit down together for 20 hours in one week and say, I'm going to dedicate this time. We are going to learn together from people that are excellent in aspects of this kind of work. We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to read. We're going to pray together. We're going to learn what each other are doing. How are they doing this in their areas? Because Bridget, there's so much to learn from each other. Mm -hmm. People that have done this for 10, 15, 20 years, what can we learn from them? And, and God gives us wisdom as we listen to each other. So it's been, I have watched in amazement 
at the timing of God, because those leaders usually be running all over God's creation. And because of COVID, they couldn't go anywhere. This is a great time to focus and say, okay, we're going to do these intensive trainings. And so I invite anyone who's listening to check out Rescuers Door. Go to projectrescue.com right slash, I think, training, or probably Google Rescue and Restore. But what a time that God has given us, in a sense, Mm -hmm. to focus on on really strengthening our knowledge of trauma. Because what has happened, many of us come into this work, and we've had training for ministry, more biblical, theological training there. But we haven't had professional training in trauma counseling or in social work or in other areas that really are critical for helping survivors of sexual exploitation. And so we might have the biblical and we know how to disciple, but we don't have this. Other people come into this work through their professional skills as a counselor or a social worker or someone in a medical area that works with some of the women in prostitution who have medical issues, but they don't have any of the theological foundation. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how to disciple. So it's like this program intentionally brings our theology and our faith and training for how to how to help women in that area gather with best practice in basic trauma intervention, counseling, social work. We need all of that. Absolutely. We need to bring those together. So this is a great time to do this. And so far, the program just started last September. We've had the first course formally so far. The second and third courses will be available in June. This That will be their six, six courses all together. But people can take them online as, they're, as we go through this. And they'll be available online. But we have over 100 people that have already begun this program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very excited because women that so desperately, and men, there are men as well, who so desperately need help and healing and freedom. They deserve for us to train, get all the learning we can, get all the training we can, so that we don't just walk into this. We walked into it with no training, except for the discipleship and more inviting and prayer and intercession that had been our life and training, but not training in this. Mm -hmm. So we all have an area where we need help in doing this ministry well. Absolutely. And, you know, I I actually have taken the first course and brought a cohort through and what an excellent, excellent training. It actually got me so refired, even though we're on the streets and we're doing the different work out here in uh, Thailand. I felt that first course with Dr. Ivan really solidified why we do what we do, the biblical basis, and how it is the heart of God and his passion. And I was so thrilled. And I know our entire cohort was um, so happy to go through it. Matter of fact, I went through it twice. So bravo, as far as the course is gone, I know that the future ones are going to be just as powerful and impactful. So I do invite our audience to be a part of this training. And I agree with you, Beth, we need to not just be randomly doing things. We want to be led by the spirit and we want to be properly trained and and do it with excellence as well, because the people deserve that love and passion and, and skill set. So thank you so much for having that inspiration and be led by the spirit to bring this to life and your entire project rescue team. I know it was a huge effort and work on so many elements, but wow, what a great course. And, and I'm looking forward to the future ones. Well, Bridget, um, thank you for your involvement with it and also really encouraging others to participate. And uh, yes, our, our commitment is to excellence. This is, this is God's mission and it needs, to be, it needs to be exemplary. What we do for him needs to be exemplary and done with integrity. And so thank you for being a part of that. That means so much. We love you and appreciate your partnership so much. What a joy. 
Well, it really was. It was so wonderful to be a part. Well, Beth, I as we conclude today's um, Truth Be Known episode, I would really love for you to pray over our audience, every person that is listening and getting excited for what they can do. And if you could just pray over them as we're looking at this global opportunity to be able to share not only the love of Jesus, but encouraging people to be sensitive in this area and to be witnessing those around and bring dignity and and walk in their calling. So would you mind praying us out today? Father, we thank you that even today, as we have visited together, we're reminded once again of how great your love is. Your love is great for any man, woman, or child that has been exploited, Lord, and have a history. Part of their story is brokenness and exploitation. There are wounds today, Lord, and many of our listeners and those who we work with, Lord, there there are wounds, deep wounds, but we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, for the broken. We thank you. We thank you that Jesus, what an example of compassion for us that we can learn from. And we experience ourselves, your compassion, Lord. We ourselves have had areas of brokenness that we had to call upon you and that we could bring. We thank you that we could bring our wounded places to you and experience your love and your grace and your healing. Father, today I pray for any who have joined us that still have wounded places that carry shame. Jesus, you came not only to take our sin, but you came to shatter our shame. The blood of Jesus is all powerful and all cleansing. And we thank you that we could come to you. And we can again today, we come to you. We bring who we are, what we are. We bring our stories, Father, the broken as well as the good, the areas which we have experienced and participated in things. And we look back and can still perhaps cause us shame. We bring them to you today. And Jesus, we ask you not only for cleansing, but we ask you as we are cleansed, as sons and daughters of God, that all shame that the enemy would use against us would be broken. You did not call us to carry shame into heaven, but you promised as sons and daughters of God to cleanse us and make us ready in your righteousness to walk into heaven. And we ask that for every listener today. And then Father, we ask, equip us, teach us how to minister to those who have experienced the violence of sexual exploitation. They're on the streets of our cities. Many are in apartments where they're being held and used for great injustice and evil. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to minister your love, your hope, and healing to those who are exploited. Teach us, Lord, to speak your words of love, your words of liberating truth. Help us to go back to your word and to see your promises for those who are broken and need deliverance and healing. May your words of truth that are so powerful and cut through the lies and the chains of the enemy. Father, may those words not just be something we remember from time to time, but may they be words that are powerfully anointed and ready to flow from our lips to those who need your healing most. And Father, I pray that we would be people of the Spirit. Lead us, O Lord, we are desperate for your guidance day by day. Father, those in bondage are not going to be calling us usually for an appointment to put on our calendars. Father, these will be things that you orchestrate by your spirit, because only you can help us cross paths with those who are in bondage. Help us to be led of your spirit. And Father, as you lead us, help us to be sensitive to discern and really see those that come across our path each day. And we will discern those who desperately need freedom and healing. We fresh and anew say, Jesus, I surrender all to you today. During this time of COVID and chaos in our world, you are at work. And we take great joy in knowing you are at work 
you are still about your mission. You are still on your mission and you are still moving by your spirit. May we as your sons and daughters be aware of the moving of your spirit and may we align ourselves, our energies, our plans and our days around your purposes, oh God. And because of that, we have faith and believe you are going to use us in new and fresh ways in this unusual season. God, we ask you and we believe as we are led of your spirit, we ask you would use us in a new way in this season. And we will see greater miracles of deliverance and freedom than we have ever seen in our lifetime. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus in faith. Amen. Thank you so much, Beth. I just so appreciate your time today and your words and just leading us uh, into that prayer. I just believe that great things are ahead. And I believe that you're going to see people of God rise up even to higher heights and new levels and walk this out in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for your words today and your encouragement. Thank you, Bridget. And thank you for collaborating. We walk together in spirit, shoulder to shoulder in this battle. And so thank you for, thank you for the invitation to join you today. Love you. Love you too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Beth, for joining us today on Truth Be Known. If you are interested in being a part of the certification program with Project Rescue, Rescue and Restore, go to projectrescue.com slash certificate to get started. You can donate and find out more about this massive impact of Project Rescue if you go to projectrescue.com. That's projectrescue.com. Dr. Beth Grant will be one of our premier Red Talk speakers for the Virtual World Sales Conference coming up October 16th. This involves 25 host countries and over 100 cities around the world, all to stop human and sex trafficking. We want to equip, empower, and unite you so that we can do this together. If you want to know more, go to seal.life, that's S-E-A-L-E-D dot L-I-F-E, seal.life, and click on the Virtual World Sealed Conference button and register today. Also, you can sign up to be a host, lead a watch party for this event as well. Thank you, friends, for tuning in today to Truth Be Known. And go to truthbeknown.org or email us at truthbeknown.org at gmail.com to find out more about our future episodes and guests that will be joining us each week. You can always find us on your favorite streaming service. And don't forget to let the truth be known.